Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Board Games Daily, your daily dose of tabletop gaming discussion on Anchor. Now welcome your hosts, Jeremiah Isley, Scott Firestone, and AJ Skifstad. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into Board Games Daily. This is Jeremiah. We're super glad that you're here. We actually, well, we're glad we're here. We've seen the numbers jump up a little bit over these last two episodes that we've recorded and released. And well, if that's you, thanks. And if you're listening, it is you. So thanks. Hey, we have a couple of our old school beloved segments coming back this week. We're going to bring back Game Night Cage Fight and also our First Impressions segment, which will be sort of a First impression segment, but more just sort of like a recap of like what we're gaming, what we're doing on the game table. So we'll keep you guys uh, informed on our growing opinions on new games, old games, and hopefully we'll have a discussion with you. How do we do that? Well... It's easy. If you tweet at us at Theology of Games or at Board Games Daily, we'll get those messages and we'll react here on the show. You can also send us a voice message if you're using Spotify. The uh, Spotify app will let you send us a voice message. That's always awesome. You You can do that and we will include you on the show, which I always enjoy. Also, I'm just going to throw this out there. You can also support the show by throwing us a a dollar or two a month by using that support this podcast feature on Spotify. This week, we're going to kick off on this Monday with a topic about AI-generated art and board games. So stay tuned for that and so much more here on Board Games Daily, powered by Theology of Games. Hey everyone, Jeremiah here with this week's topic. And the topic we're discussing this week is AI-generated art in gaming. Now, I'm just going to put a disclaimer right off the rip. I don't know anything about the legal side of this. I have heard that you actually cannot like copyright any artwork that's generated by an AI engine because it's not yours. You didn't make it, you didn't create it. You can't generate, you can't copyright it, right? So I I don't know how true that is, but I will say I will leave it to the lawyers and the people who are smarter than me to tell you if that is possible. But what I will comment on and what I have very strong feelings on is the concept of using AI generated art in a board game design. And here's what it is. Just don't do it. <laughs> I I come from a very artistic family. My mother's an amazing artist. She does portraits and like, I mean, literally she can take anything and draw or paint anything. It's amazing. And so she's so creative and smart with all of that stuff. 
you know, I grew up as a musician and being in theater and my wife, you know, her family's very artistic. Her dad was a master potter. My wife is very artistic as well. She's just, you know, like we're all in the arts and we all love it so much. And the way I view board games, you know, everybody talks about like their shelf of shame. That's my board game collection. That is, to me, that is an art collection. Whether I've played the game or not, it is a collaborative piece of art. Just as much as a film, a TV show, music, you know, you, you can't just look at like, oh, well, Beethoven was great. Yeah, Beethoven was great, and so were all the great composers, but they're nothing if there's not really, 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 really skilled, talented musicians that can play their greatness, that can that can deliver that greatness to the audience, right? So I look at board games as that. You have a designer, you know, somebody that came up with a great concept and a theme and and a way to to move you through this experience that you get to enjoy, but they're nothing if there isn't a cool graphic design, cool art design, great uh, components that have been designed. All of those things are, you know, somebody has to write the rule book and write flavor text. And there's just so much that goes into a board game other than just like, oh, it, it was a great design. So yeah, to me, it's artwork. It's very visual. It's very interactive. It's very just tactile. So why would you give a large portion of that, something that is such a visual asset to a robot? Don't do it. Just don't do it. Whether it's legal or not, just don't. What do you think? Uh, am I way off? Let's just talk about that concept. Hit us up. Email us, theologyofgames at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at theologyofgames. And let me know what you think. Hey folks, Firestone here, just to let you know about a segment coming back on Friday. It's Game Night Cage Fight. This is where we pit two games that are sort of similar to each other against each other to see which one comes out on top in our opinions and maybe your opinions. You can weigh on, on, in on this. Sometimes the connection is very tight and other times it might be these are just two worker placement games or these are just two roll and write games. But regardless, um, sometimes it's interesting to know like I have both of these games on my list. They're kind of in a similar niche and I only have so much space on my shelf Maybe I want to know which one is better. So we can let you know, and then you can take our opinion, or you can toss it out the window. Either way, check in on Friday for a game night cage fight. Bye. Hey guys, AJ here, and I just wanted to add to the conversation today. Last night we had our game night. As some of you probably know or might remember, our game night takes place on Monday nights. Jeremiah also frequents these game nights. He was there last night, and we decided to open with a little game called I'm the Boss. Now, I first played this game many years ago when um, Jeremiah and Firestone received, I think, review copies of the game from Eagle Griffin Game, uh, Eagle Griffin Games. Now, 
I love Eagle Griffin games because their components are always so awesome and the production quality is just top notch. And uh, this game's no exception. Although it's a card-based game, the cards are, are really, really nice. And I'd love to tell you what kind of finish they have on them, but I just don't know that kind of lingo. But I, I love the, uh, tactile, the, the feel of the cards in your hand. Um, they, they've got a real nice finish on them and uh, durable as well. Um, so cards that wouldn't typically need sleeves. So that aside, what does the game do? Well, essentially in the game, you're going to be playing to a deal in the middle of the table and the deal can either end up positive or negative. Throughout the round, the deal gets bigger, which means the payout at the end of the round is either bigger or the loss is bigger. Well, how do you get that? Well, how do you get that payout? Well, if you're the boss, which everybody gets to be the boss uh, once per game usually, you get a piece of the action to begin with. That means no matter what, if the payout's positive at the end of the round, you're gonna get that payout at least one time. You, The boss also gets to choose cousins, two cousins, who can bribe him at the beginning of the round, who can say, I'm gonna play certain cards to, uh, to different people, or I, I promise not to play a certain card in front of you. Um, he might make them a cousin. They automatically get a piece of the action. You can also play a piece of the action card in front of yourself to increase your payout at the end of the rounds. You can play multiple piece of the action cards. And um, the problem is, is there's three suits and only one suit can be played per round. And if you only have a couple of that suit in your hand, yikes, not a great time for you to try and stay in the game. As you go around, you have two pass tokens. So as you watch people play, you can kind of take a break, pass for a moment and see what some people are gonna do. Some things they can do is they can put a negative card in front of you, which means that everything that's positive in the center becomes negative for you. Or let's say that the deal is negative in the center. You might play uh, a negative positive in front of yourself so that everything in the center becomes positive for you. Anytime you have a double negative, it always just equals out whatever's in the center, if that makes sense. You can also move cards. So like if the, if the deal is going negative in the center, you can you have cards that'll pull that out and discard it, or you can take your negative cards and put them in front of somebody else. In any case, this game can get pretty cutthroat and pretty silly really fast. And I love that because the game doesn't last so long that you have any huge investment. And if you get the spirit of the game, you get that you're supposed to wheel and deal and even sometimes cheat, not cheat like real cheat, but just cheat somebody over and say, no, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. I told you I was going to play a piece of the action in front of you, but I decided not to. So it's really, really fun. The guys last night captured the spirit of the game. Some people won big, some people lost big. Fortunately for me, I'll say I was right in the middle. Um, I wish I would have won big, but I did not, but I didn't lose big. So uh, I had a great time with it. It didn't last that long, so it didn't hurt so bad, but I do love the game. It's a great game. If you haven't checked out I'm the Boss yet, you really should. It's still in Eagle Griffin's catalog and it's still a really cool game. It's accessible. All right, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us today. Board Games Daily is powered by TheologyofGames.com. Don't forget to head over to TheologyofGames.com to check out all we have to offer, including written reviews, our YouTube channel, and two other podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening. 
and go put a game on the table.